Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Mark Arm is a songwriter, musician, and the lead singer of the Seattle, Washington-based band Mudhoney. Since 1988, Mudhoney have been a vital and dynamic underground rock band with legions of fans around the world. Generations of musicians have followed their lead, and they continue to stand as an admirable influence for loud, uncompromising artistic expression. The band's latest album is called Digital Garbage. It's available via their longtime label, Sub Pop Records, and it prompted Mark to return to this show to talk about this excellent, rocking new album, protest music, the news media, social media, and anxiety, conspiracy theories, religious indoctrination, mass extinction, and many more topics, some of which are actually kind of cheery. With in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Planet of Sound locations in Toronto and Ottawa, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, and of course, listeners like you who make flexible monthly pledges at patreon.com slash Control and subscribe to this podcast and ask your friends to check it out and do the same. This is the 429th episode of Creative Control featuring Mark Arm of Mudhoney with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Chinese playing militia in the Hi, Mark. How's it going? Good, Vish. How are you? I'm well. It's nice to speak with you again. It's nice to talk to you as well. Now, where in the world are you today? I am at the Sub Pop Warehouse in Seattle, Washington. <laughs> How are things going in Seattle today? Uh, they're fine. 
it's a sunny day. Yeah, yeah. That's unusual for Seattle, I understand. It's often rainy. That's the stereotype, anyway. It's like Vancouver South. Yes, right. So... <laughs> A bit of everything, but it doesn't. It's it's nice though. It's definitely you don't get extreme cold, right? No, no. So that's that's nice. Now my I, I my understanding, I didn't get to attend because I had a, a family engagement. But did you take part in the whole sub pop turns thirty uh, extravaganza? Oh, we did. Yeah, yeah. We played out on Alki Beach. Uh, it, was, it was a. It was actually kind of at the end of a heat wave. And there was a little bit of rain to cool things down in the early afternoon. It was uh, it was a good day. Nice. Now I uh, I heard good things about the uh, event. Uh, I'm curious. Are you someone who gets into a reflective mode when a milestone like this is upon you? I mean, 30 years. Uh, <laughs> Not so, usually. No. I, I I seem to recall the last time we spoke. I I went down this road, and you're like, no, nothing. I got nothing. I don't feel a thing. <laughs> well, it's not that. I mean, you know, there's this sort of collective like, wow, that's weird. We've been around 30 years at like the whole band field. Yes. But, you know, it, it's, I guess, creeping normalcy would be the, the, the term that uh, describes our lives. Yeah. Like, it, you know, what, was, what would have seemed outrageous to us at like in early 20s when we started the band, I, I, for me in my mid-20s, <laughs> um you know, what would have seemed ridiculous then is absolutely normal now. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of normal, ridiculous, you know, maybe some kind of dichotomy there, Sub Pop had a, a day named its in, named in its honor, right? Uh, yeah, apparently so. Yeah. I wasn't there for that uh, event. But they also had an airplane outfitted, a, like a, a Sub Pop airplane, which I've never... That seemed like beyond ridiculous almost. A plane that was outfitted for this record label. Is that correct? Did you get to go on the plane? I did not. Okay. Uh, other people, a couple other people did. Uh, I was working that day. Okay. Um, yeah, and I, actually, I know Tony, who's the head of A and R, was, and now he's a, a co-president of the label, was going to fly in that plane because initially the plane was going to fly to L.A. and he, you know, booked some meetings in L.A. and then it turns out the plane was changed the route to like Santa Ana. Oh, I see. And he didn't he didn't actually ride the ride on the plane either. Okay, I understand. So but it just looked cool in the photos, I have to say. Like a Sub Pop had its own plane all of it. was like a Led Zeppelin thing almost, you know what I mean? Yeah, it'd be nice if Sub Pop actually had the plane, but it's just <laughs> it's a commercial it's a commercial jet on Alaska that uh just flies people who have no idea what Sub Pop is from place to place. Yeah, I understand. Okay. Well, beyond the the reflective possibilities that could have been, I mean, I assume an an occasion like that one uh might uh warrant reunions, people who are traveling back to celebrate. Did you see anyone you hadn't seen in a while? Were you like, Oh wow, yeah, we were all in this together. I forgot. Oh hey, you know, did you have that kind of stuff? Did you meet people? There, there were a couple of people. I mean yeah. there they were people that I hadn't had had seen somewhat recently, uh like Tom Mick from Feast was there. Mm -hmm. Uh I used to work with him at Muzak, you know, well before all of this started. Yeah. Um and Feast was probably the great lost quote unquote grunge band of Seattle in the mid eighties. Oh, okay. They never really released anything except maybe a song or two on a compilation. So it was good to see Tom. I didn't actually see the fastbacks that day cause I was doing other stuff at that time. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but, but I, fi I figured the Kim has moved back into town. So I'm sure I'll see them at some point. Okay. In, in, in a local venue. 
Okay, cool. No, I, I just was curious, you know, uh, historical kinds of questions. It's a historical occasion. I just wondered if you, you, you know, had those moments because I know they're special and uh, they can be anyway. And I, I appreciate you even divulging any of that because I, I assume it, on some level, this is a personal milestone for you. The, the fact that the label has thrived for this for this long, I assume it's something. And you work there still. You still work for you work at Sub Pop in at least two capacities that I'm aware of. That's it must be special on some level. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah it's just, it's crazy. None of us thought... Uh, <laughs> there was a time in the 90s when it seemed like Sub Pop might not exist for very much longer. Yeah, right, exactly. Well, speaking of things not existing forever, uh, digital garbage. I, I <laughs> It's kind of a segue. It kind of works. I feel like we're all immersed in this digital garbage these days, and you've named a record digital garbage. Um, and uh, I have to say, uh, first of all, Congrats on this record. It's it's wonderful. It's very uh, forceful, and I I would categorize it as an angry record. Would you agree with that sentiment? I suppose it is. I suppose it is. Is it something you <laughs> realized was angry as it was happening, or has it been brought to your attention that oh my god, this is a very assertive record on some level? Well, I, I think we understood what was going on with it as we were writing it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, that's good. Sometimes you you know you're so inside you don't realize maybe how you're coming across, you know? I'm sure you've had that experience. You're like, oh, really? I, I didn't think I was sad. I didn't realize I was so sarcastic as I <laughs> I assume you have a bit of a handle on it. So, I mean, I'd like to go, I'd like to talk to you about these songs uh, in some detail, but uh, before we get to that, is there an overarching thing you'd want to say about this record and maybe what has inspired it? I, I My sense is it's modern times and yeah it's definitely a record of these times it's not the record i wanted to make but i feel like it was a record we had to make do if you, that makes any sense do you mean as both artists and potentially citizens of the country of the united states of america yes yeah, yeah. i i don't know that a lot of this kind of music is being made in an as as overt a fashion as Mud honey have conjured here. Do you agree? Like this? No, I, I know that people mean, people of our vintage often are like, "There's not enough protest music," and I always feel like we sound <laughs> kind of fuddy duddy about it. But um, that's where I was coming from with that question. Would you agree like, that people aren't maybe speaking out as much as they probably could be? I you know I don't know. I'm not really paying attention to everyone else. I'm probably not nearly as aware as what's happening in pop culture and with like bands and musicians and stuff as you are. Yeah. You know, I just kind of keep my head down and move forward and do what I need to do. Mm -hmm. But you're not the first person to have said that to me. <laughs> so yeah, it's there's probably probably a bit of truth out there, and it just, it astounds it astounds me that like people aren't talking about this shit. Would you? I'm I'm it, you know in yeah. a, in a musical context like in, that artists aren't. I mean, I, I know for sure some are. They've got to be. Yeah, but. Uh, I mean, if this if you're not outraged at this point, I don't know what it's going to take. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. Yeah, and I I I was thinking about the first song. I've thought a lot about uh, these songs. I think <laughs> I'd like to think I have. I've listened to them a lot, and I've kind of pondered what you're what you're singing about and talking about, and and even the sound of it. Um, and one of the first the, the first song on the record is called Nerve Attack, and I I thought it was kind of an interesting. I I viewed it as a double entendre. I kind of thought you were getting into the mental health and anxiety things we're suffering through because of the time. Is that where you were coming from with that particular song? I'm just curious. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's obviously sort of, there's like a breakdown happening there and just the idea of it kind of, 
you know, using like nerve attack as a, as a thing that just sort of popped up on one of those uh, Syrian nerve gas attacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, but you know, I made it more of a personal thing. Like by the time uh, I know my friend Tim in the UK heard it, that was just right around the time as like the former Russian agent and his daughter, right? Yes, <laughs> suffered a nerve attack. Yes. So it, it's it's just kind of crazy. Uh, other and, than and to, Go to ahead. me, that song that song is like an intro to the record. You know, it's like this is kind of you know what's happening in my mind, and and then like kind of go into specifics after that. If yeah. that makes any sense. Yeah, you invoke Jumpin' Jack Flash by the Rolling Stones. You say, uh, this ain't no gas, gas, gas. Just to emphasize that it's <laughs> a particular kind of nervous energy that is manifesting itself. Like I, I understand what you're saying about how if you're not angry now, if this isn't pissing you off, I don't know what will. Like, How are you personally dealing with this stuff? I, I assume not well, but do you want to elaborate <laughs> upon that? I mean, it's clear by the record. Like, I can tell what's going on, but... I'm just curious. Can you elaborate? Like- uh, well, I find myself to be just com- extremely focused on the news. <laughs> yeah, it's frustrating, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like I just can't get a goddamn break. <laughs> do you do you do you do you feel like many people do that the media is complicit in all this? Like I, I we have CNN up here, uh, and I, I, my wife told I was going. I've had a rough year myself personally, and then I would close out the night by watching these idiots yell at each other. As a news thing, you know, it's supposed to be a panel, but it's just people screaming over each other. And then I'd go to bed with that in my head. And, uh, right, right, right. And no, so, no, no, that's, that's not good. No, it's not. I mean, do you feel like it's obviously there's things need to be reported upon. Lots of terrible things are happening. Do you feel like the media is executing their role? And I'm, I'm obviously and I don't mean to make you speak generally, but do you feel like certain media are doing a better job than others of actually reporting on this and dealing with this? Well, the media that I pay attention to mostly is just like the Washington Post. Right. You know, I mean, they seem to be really on top of what's going on, and and to a lesser extent, the New York Times. That's exactly how I feel. I subscribe to both online, and I feel like I get more of a sense of what's actually happening from the Post. Yeah. So I I don't have cable TV anymore, so I'm kind of off of those shows. Yeah. I do watch shows like, you know, like, John Oliver's show or The Daily Show. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's, there's, it's so overwhelming and terrible that it's nice to have it in a context that we can kind of laugh at the absurdity of it. Yeah. But then you also just kind of feel bad for laughing at the terribleness. Well, I feel like in the in the glory days of the Daily Show, the news was the or like the 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 uh, life was life, and the satire was was a nice bomb. Uh, yeah, yeah. And now yeah. it feels like the the real life has become the satire. Like everything's so cartoonishly strange. Like yeah. I, I don't get the I don't get the same relief from the jokes as I used to get. That used to be a relief. no. Yeah, yeah. It's a very strange thing, and I, I, I this leads into a the, the next song is Paranoid Core and. Uh, one of the lyrics you, you've written here is, I stoke the fire in your paranoid core. I feed on your fear. Again, I feel like that's a media thing a little bit. Um, yeah, and it's you know specifically like kind of conspiracy media. You yeah, know, yeah. You know, basically media that exists to sell people supplements. <laughs> yeah, totally. Do you, do you have any perspective on how distrust has now become weaponized? I just can't get over that. Like, it's gone to the point where no one believes anyone. It used to be fringes on the left and the right who'd be like, ah, I'm not getting the whole truth. And now it's just this mainstream distrust. Like everyone doesn't believe anything. We've been sort of over the last 10 years been told 
rather taught not to trust anything, any source. And I find that's very common. And your country and some of your citizens in particular seem to exemplify that. Do you have any perspective on how that happened, why that's happening? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think like maybe the politicization of the news by like outlets like Fox oh, yeah, kind yeah. of really, really started it, you know, in the 90s. Uh, used to be, you know, when I was growing up, there was you. You would, for the most part, watch the news—the same news that everyone else watched. You watched there were three major networks, and then like public broadcasting, right? Yeah. And then the the news was just sort of dispassionate. It didn't go super deep, you know. But like this is what's happening, and people could agree on things. Yeah, yeah. But now, but now people just sort of like watch whatever reinforces the opinion they already have, mm-hmm. which I think is just bizarre. Yeah, it's strange that information has become competitive. Like that's yeah, yeah. That's a weird yeah. aspect of it. It's like you're yeah, on a team. Like, I'm on the Fox it's News like, team. It's like it's like the truth is not liberal or conservative. It's the truth. <laughs> yeah, it should be. Yeah, I agree. And and there are things that everyone should agree on, like math. You know, it's, it's just like this is. <laughs> The way it is, it's just kind of weird. Yeah, like if a news outlet is reporting that, say, the president of the United States tells 8.5 lies a day, that should be indisputable. Anyone should yeah. be able to count that, but it doesn't... No, no, you're just making it up. Like, that's a weird thing that is... Because, I feel like lying and... It, it all depends on what your definition of lying is. Yeah, kind of, <laughs> yes, exactly. But how, kind of but go how, quit, quit. <laughs> Truth isn't always truth, right? That's the era we're living in. Yeah. That's <laughs> fucking insane. It is. It's very maddening. And I and I, I know these things are on the record. I don't want to dissuade people from having a good time listening to digital garbage, but it's all it's kind of there. And I, I know that one of my, one of the other things that you delve into is hypocrisy and religion. And that comes up quite a bit on Please Mr. Gunman, on 21st Century Pharisees, The Messiah's Lament. There's this sense that Religion is also weaponized. Um, what's your- yeah, you know, that was, that was a weird thing I kind of noticed after we put the record together. Like, for my in my mind, the record was more of a political record. And, like, after a while, I was like, oh, man, this is – there's a lot of religious stuff on here. Are, are you, and I guess, yeah. I, you know, that's partially just, like, the way I grew up kind of bubbling to the surface and – exacerbated by this climate. Hmm. Well, are you a particularly religious person, or is your family religious? Uh, you know, I grew up going to a Lutheran church, you know, which is, you know, I guess it's not evangelical by any means, but then I went to, I uh, was sent off to a Christian high school, and, you know, where I kind of, in the 70s, rubbed shoulders with evangelicals. But even then, like, things like abortion and whatnot weren't, weren't hot button issues for those people yeah it was uh that just sort of came up seemed like in the 80s yeah there's a there's another i feel like this theme of entrenchment that i kind of alluded to earlier like this notion of like this is what i believe nothing's going to change my mind i mean that does seem to when i talk when we talk about the media and you were talking about different camps now we're talking about religion which is i think by design you know different teams my team's better than your team your team isn't very good. I feel like you're getting into that kind of, why are we so segregated? Why have we become so separated from each other? Um, is that something that was on your mind, this notion that we're not galvanized as a people around anything anymore? Well, I mean, I don't expect everyone to be all like 
kumbaya and get along famously and, you know, all think the same thing. Yeah. You know, and I think there should be some conflict. That's what makes things move forward. You know, if there wasn't, you know, <laughs> slavery would still be in effect. Yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. But I mean, I feel like some of the conflict now is conjured. It's invented. Oh, sure. And that's, I mean, I guess in a in a sense that harkens back to conspiracies or people looking to, you know, like basically claiming <laughs> that, you know, the, the religious book they read is the truth, you know. Yeah. It, it, there, there's a lot to it. I, yeah. I, I, I can't even like wrap my head around everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I would argue. But I mean, I, I remember like in high school in the 70s, like a friend of mine, she would bring in this newspaper called the Washington Spectator. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or Spotlight, one of the two. And it was a total like right wing conspiracy newspaper that like basically said like the Rothschilds and the Jews run the world mm -hmm. and, you know, had all this stuff about uh, the Illuminati and the Freemasons and all. And you know, it was just like, this is a bunch of hooey. <laughs> you know, that's what, yeah. you know, this is, this is, this is just insane. And I, th I saw that, saw through that shit, like as a, as a junior in high school, you know, like the, the idea that there are full grown adults who buy into crap like this and it's gotten, exp you know, bigger and more popular you know, these weird ideas that, like, the murder at Sandy Hook didn't, the, 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 yeah. all the crap, the Sandy yeah. Hook crap didn't happen, and the, like, the, the children and the parents are crisis actors and all that kind of crap. It's like, that, you know, the, <laughs> it would, for something to be that, you know, like, how do you get all these people to just, like, play along and not have the truth spill out? Yeah. It, it's just it's insane it's it's kind of like the whole 9-11 was an inside job thing if like if dick cheney was truly behind it you know i mean i don't think he was a great man he was like a, a very evil person who used an event he didn't fucking create the event yeah you know yeah yeah he utilized the event. You, you know you yeah. how many people how many hundreds of people would have had to like been in on that right and again i think this is what we're seeing like it used to be like a do you have a take on trolling? I feel like trolling used to be like a thing that even in its earliest stages as a someone who aligns himself, I guess, with the punk aspects of life, I'd be like, ha, 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 you know. And still, when the right person is being trolled, <laughs> I'm like, if Alex Jones is getting trolled, I'm kind of into it, you know. But right. that seems to, like I said earlier, this... It, but he's it, like a troll. He is a troll. He's a genuine, real-life troll. And that's what he has done. He, the, uh, it, it seems to me that 10, 15 years ago, a guy like that would say Sandy Hook never happened and he would be dismissed. Like we wouldn't be talking about him. He wouldn't be given the platforms. And But now because they make the news and the news is run based on clicks and likes and, you know, that kind of viral, whatever you want to call it, I feel like they do give Steve Bannon and and Stephen Miller and Alex Jones the platforms because they know they're going to get attention and I mean you I feel like you're dealing with social media and pseudo celebrity and all these things on the song kill yourself live do it for the likes like I feel like you're that's on your mind a little bit like what are we doing 
what are we talking about? Who are we talking about? There, there's nothing there. It's all very vapid. Right, right, right. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I just I, this is just the world we have now, Mark. It's very confusing to me. <laughs> it's confusing to you. <laughs> you 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 said that you grew up and and you know you knew in junior high that something was hooey and I know you as a Seattle guy. Where did you actually grow up? Did you grow up there? I grew up in Kirkland, which is like a suburb of Seattle. Okay. My and, family moved there when I was 4. And did you feel like you had a good reasonable childhood uh on some level? It was reasonable, I guess. <laughs> you were happy? You you had a good time? I just said... Yeah, I think so. I mean, I always felt like something was kind of missing. Hmm. Like, the suburban lifestyle just sort of seemed somewhat empty. And, and I think I probably took things for granted from my parents, who, like, basically, my dad grew up in Kansas and did a... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And my mom grew up in um, Germany in the 30s. So, oh my God. The, wow. So, so <laughs> I think my dad just must have thought I was like, like out of my mind. Like, why? What are you complaining about? You have everything. <laughs> and I'm just like, it's boring here. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 one of the reasons I ask these questions uh, is just to try to figure out where you're, you know, you you alluded to the fact that you might be a bit sarcastic. I think we've uh, come upon the fact that you might be a little bit cynical. I guess I just wonder, I have a sense of where some of that stuff stems from within myself, I think. Right, but right. I'm just curious if you have a sense of when you thought, man, this, you say things were boring, but when did you start to feel like, you know, we were talking about distressed earlier. And I think part of punk... Uh, stuff for me anyway was not trusting what I read and heard on its face. I I want to investigate and make my own mind up. Do you remember where? And I feel like sure. I, th I think you have a similar impulse within you. Like where do you do you have a sense of where that comes from? Well, I think that actually goes that goes back to the church. Oh okay okay. Because <laughs> I mean I remember like being in like Sunday school and actually just you know, when something just didn't make sense to me, just like asking a lot of questions about it and, you know, just getting like kind of like, but this is what it says in the Bible kind of answers. It's like, well, that, you know, how can that possibly be? You know, that, yeah. that kind of, so I think I've, I've kind of had that sort of worldview where like, I don't necessarily trust it or, you know, buy everything hook, line and sinker. Yeah, uh, for a for a long time. Well, there's there's a part of me that feels like, maybe... and you know, and that was like the great thing of like discovering punk rock, like especially like 
hardcore, American hardcore. It was like, it seemed like there was just like a whole bunch of people out there who, and who just seemed kind of smarter than the average, like jock or whatever. <laughs> you know, they, a lot of them were fucked up kids, but they were like, a lot of them were really smart. Do you feel like that kind of experience could lead someone to believe in certain conspiracy theories? Oh, for sure. I mean, I know I know some people who like now, uh, apparently on social media, are the kind of people who just like yell at other people and call them so- social justice warriors. It w- <laughs> you know, I, I I bring this up because I feel like conspiracy theories are now tainted. <laughs> I used to think like, yeah, the JFK assassination, that's a that's a conspiracy theory. I would get all into it. And uh, maybe it's Cracker Jacks or maybe it's not. I don't know. But there used to be kind of a vicarious thrill in not trusting everything. That's just how I came up. I just liked reading right. about that stuff. And now it seems like, again, following on what we've already discussed, it just feels like everything has the potential to have its own conspiracy theory and there's no end. It's I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess there's a certain appeal to that, you know, kind of before conspiracy theories were like totally politicized. You had people like Art Bell talking about UFOs and hollow earth and, you know, chupacabras yeah. and shit like that. Yeah. You know, there's there are people, you know, I I know people who are convinced that Elvis is still alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, on what grounds I have no fucking idea. Except maybe they smoke a lot of pot. <laughs> I just <laughs> well, it, it seems to me that conspiracy theories were potentially at some point once the domain of intelligent people. And I feel when I say they're tainted, I now feel like they're the domain of uh, potentially uh, idiots. I don't know how that happened. Well, you know, there's that. No, I. I... <laughs> I mean, the Elvis one was always kind of silly, and that's that's been with me my whole. I was born in '77, uh, so I was born the year he died, and I swear, or, I, I've, so they say, or so they say, and I I that feel like that conspiracy has never. I feel like it's finally dying down <laughs> a little bit. Like I don't hear it as much, but just for forever, uh, that used to be a thing. You know, once or twice a year, someone or the National Enquirer, or someone it would just recirculate. You know, that Elvis. Was well, born. I mean, there there was always. Uh, magazines like the National Enquirer and the Weekly World News and whatnot, those like weird tabloids. Yeah. It's just like Bat Boy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. That's who, different. Who buy? Who buys that shit seriously? Yeah. You know, like I mean, you'd buy it on occasion just for a laugh. But yeah, I feel like things used to be a bit more benign, and now everything seems more serious and heated, and like, like you say, politicized. Like it's just it's more complicated, like weaponized, weaponized. As I said and, earlier, and, yeah, and and I think. <laughs> Um, there are other governments who, you know, who, who are, who are uh, really good at exploiting the American psyche. Yeah, exactly. They, they're more objective. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've been watching us and, you know, observing us for, for decades, for generations. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm up here too. I'm not an American. I'm I'm Canadian. So I I, I I've been yeah, but you're North American, and you we speak the same language. Yeah, it's true. You, you just are much more polite than we are. <laughs> In theory, that is true. Yeah, it's, yeah. I don't know if that's even really true, but uh, that's that's the uh, uh, I guess the joke, right? That's the joke. Yeah, that's the joke on us. Well, I mean, as I think about the end of this record. The, the two songs that close it out, and by the way, I'm not bypassing anything else because uh, 
it's not up to snuff or anything. There's lots. I, I mean, you, you, there's so many topics on this record, that, and there's so many places we can go. And I think there's a few things that you've expressed on a an emotional level that, you know, I'm asking you, what does it mean? And I know that you don't know, um, honestly. Like I, I hope you appreciate that. I appreciate you don't have the answers when I ask you these questions. Right, right. But when you're talking about economic disparity uh, and and people getting rich and the World Economic Forum and things like that, I mean it's all here. But by the end of the record, you there's this resignation. Ma- the the songs are next mass extinction, which basically you say nothing will replace us in the next mass extinction. Like we're doomed. And then in Oh Yeah, which closes out the record, it's just escapism. This notion of like I'm going to go skateboarding, I'm going to go surfing, I'm going to go ride my bike. I don't care. So well, that's just that's like one way to deal with this shit. <laughs> and you know, I, none of our lives are like pure escapism, but you know, we do like to have fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree, and I feel like you you can't you can't just like wind yourself up with this shit like all the time. You mm-hmm. know, you just yeah. be a nervous wreck. Well, um, to be to me, it's a nice release valve by the end of a record yeah. where you've engaged with a myriad of really intense topics. And then there is this sense at the end of every day for me as well, like, well, you know, like we're all going to die. <laughs> uh, nothing lasts forever. There's sign of an impermanence. That doesn't mean you can't be engaged with what's happening. I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, I hope right, right, when we right. talk about escapism, I th- you would agree, I think, just based on your engagement on this record, we should all be very engaged in what's happening now. We should, we should. And next mass extinction, uh, you know, it's about, there's, in the geological history of the world, there have been five. Right. And these are things that like take place over, you know, a long period of time. And like some, you know, some of them were just like flora just dying off, you mm-hmm. know, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And there are scientists who think that we are, have entered the sixth mass extinction. Yeah. You know, like the, the, the way like animals are disappearing and this isn't going to be like a quick event but they they think we're like about a hundred years into like a, a thousand year event. Yeah. And this is the first time that the, the creatures, the main creature, well, one of the creatures that's like going to be extinct has brought it on themselves. Yeah. And I feel like we're inundated with, if you're paying attention to the news and you're listening to scientists, you're inundated with this information and it oscillates between we have to do something now to it's too late. Do you think, again, Mark, I don't mean to ask you too difficult a question, but in this, I feel like all of this information has kind of led to this sort of nihilistic state we're in. Um, well, I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, that song was also just a jab at those neo-Nazis marching at Charlottesville saying, like, Jews will not replace us. Right. I see. Okay. Right. I see. You, you know, yeah, so yeah. it's like, yeah, nothing's going to replace you. <laughs> nothing's going to replace us i mean you, you say that and it's it's a very effective and dark sentiment obviously but it's i would say i'm not a scientist but it seems true doesn't it it yeah i mean you know neither of us will be here for the to see to see the to see it all the way to the end yeah well i'm I'm trying to eat healthy maybe i'll make it i don't know yeah you won't be here in a thousand years I'm telling you, I'm eating lots of carrots. I'm doing my best. Oh, I'm working well, out. I'm running. I try to run now to deal with the stuff, you know, anxiety. Maybe there'll be like some sort of like cyber land that we can live in. <laughs> you plug our brains into and, I already, and, and, and yeah. live a Tron life. 
I already feel like I am living a Tron life with my phone and my computer, to be honest, like a <laughs> cyborg. Well, I know we don't have much time left. In fact, I think we have to, to wrap this up relatively soon. Um, and I appreciate your, uh, your uh, you know, answering these questions. They're not easy. And, and I appreciate you going through the record with me. Um, what's next? I appreciate your interest in the record, Vish. Oh, well, I appreciate you saying that, Mark. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's a wonderful record and it's really necessary. And honestly, you know, I, as you said earlier, I listened to lots of music. And I find people are dealing with stuff artistically uh, in, with some nuance, and that's great. And I think you are as well. But I also, obviously, I think there's a lot more stuff on the surface here on this record than a lot of people are putting forward. And I, to be honest, we need it, um, I think. And I think most importantly, though, beyond the lyrics, the music, I think, is is pretty you know, if I do say so myself, pretty dang good. It kicks ass. <laughs> it's a kick-ass record yeah. as well. Like, we, we've talked about it, some dark it, it stuff. It rocks. It does. It rocks. Yeah. Front to back, and there's some nice, uh, when I think of Night and Fog, or there's some dynamic stuff going on. I, I, it's a great record, I mean, uh, all around. So I, I hope I put that across to, to you and, uh, and and to the people who are, are hearing us. What's next for Mud Honey? I'm calling you from Canada, so I don't know if you've got any Canadian shows or anything, but do you have plans? And, I mean, I will also, I should ask... Just because this seems like quite an outpouring of uh, of lyrics and, and ideas, I just wonder if if this this session or these sessions yielded stuff we haven't heard that didn't make the record. Um, so yeah, sort of just what's next? Do you have plans uh, that you can talk about in terms of Mud Honey? Uh, yeah, we're playing Vancouver on the fifteenth of September. Okay, um, and then at the end of the month, when the record gets a release, we play Seattle and Portland with the Scientists. Okay, uh, from Australia, who are like one of the the bands that really influenced us when we started, and you know, I guess continued to the, to this day. Nice. So it's exciting to play with them, um, and then we play with Piss Jeans in Brooklyn in October, and then we go on tour for three weeks in Europe. And next year, we'll, the first part of the year, we'll be just doing like uh, weekend uh, fly-in dates until like a guy can accrue enough uh, vacation for us to do another three-week tour <laughs> later on in 2019. Right. As I recall um, from our last conversation, Guy's a doctor? He's a nurse. A nurse. Sorry. Sorry. He's a nurse. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Full, yeah. Full-time nurse. That's right. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Um, and then we do have uh, like there's seven songs that didn't make the record ah. none of them are songs that we dislike so we think they're like worthy of release and they'll get released one way or another at some point mm -hmm. it felt like to make a strong record as possible we just should have like we decided to just edit things and keep a kind of a short record instead of like you know making a really long boring cd <laughs> <laughs> did did one of those songs happen to be the one that made it onto the uh commemorative anniversary seven inch that i believe you have a split seven inch with hot snakes which are one of my yes. favorite bands yes so yeah. one, of, one of the songs from from that session is on that yeah what, what song is it i don't have i believe i may be getting this single but i don't have it yet but anyway that that notwithstanding what, what's the song it's called one bad actor Oh, that sounds intriguing. What do you, do you want to talk about? I know we, we I haven't heard it. Maybe if you is it can people hear these songs? I know there was like a deal where if you had to, if you went to the festival you got these singles, but are they like going to be digital or are you going to be Well, you had to buy you had to buy them. You just had to just buy it them. on site, right? Um, yeah. What ins uh, what inspired that I, song? I, 
uh, more more of this crap. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. I just was curious. Um, but it's kind of a, a like a heavier number. Um, so it seems like it could have on the record it could have like either been in the same place as next mass extinction. Oh, okay. You know, but it just like the, I think the uh, the lyrical content of next mass extinction was a little bit stronger. I see. Okay. Okay, uh, so. but it's it's a heavy groove tune with like synthesizer. Oh, synthesizer! Oh, interesting. Okay, well, I hope to hear it myself soon. I hope other people get to to hear it if they if they come across the single. Maybe it'll show up somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I imagine it'll show up in streaming services. I don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know what the plan is myself. So I'm, I'm. Anxious. I mean, our plan. We're also like doing like a a small pressing of a tour only single for our European tour. But the long range plan is for like all of these songs to get put out on like a 12 inch EP. Oh, okay. Rad. Okay, great. Great. That's awesome. But I'm not, I'm not sure when that will be, you know, sure. No, I understand it's a, it's an idea, but that sounds, that sounds great. Well, and where, where can people go to learn the most they want to learn <laughs> about mud honey these days? Uh, websites, oh. Twitter. I know you don't like Facebook, but uh, do you, uh, <laughs> do you yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> probably subpop.com is probably the best place to go yeah we we, I know we started up like a online store at mudhoney.org and there's one also in europe uh mudhoneyonline.com okay. so, and you know we have a, a buddy in uh uh in holland who does like a facebook page for us that like Dan and Guy and Steve are active on. <laughs> yeah, I, I I can appreciate why you uh, avoid uh, the computers and the phones as much as you do. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't avoid computers and phones. I use them; they're useful tools. Yeah, I, I, I personally have a really hard time just like, and it may be just kind of my punk rock background or whatever, but like being really self promotional. I just have yeah, a hard sure. time. Just you know, like. Like it would always just bug me when like a band would go like, "Hey, we've got stuff for sale in the back," <laughs> you know. Yeah. So it's just hard for me to go like, "Hey, everybody," <laughs> you know. I figured like the people who want to know, they'll find out. Yeah, that's true. It's true. <laughs> it's a. It's a. a I believe I, to be a courtesy that I offer my guests at the end of the show. Just where do, where can people go? This has been a good conversation. Where can people go to learn more about you if they want to figure that, you know, if they don't know you or whatever? It's just a thing I do, but I appreciate, I get the same, I hate, I do, I have to, I have to tell people about these episodes and it makes me, I feel bad about it sometimes. I'm like, yeah, here's another one of the, I've made over 400 of these things. Here's another one. You know, like I, I, I'm in the same boat as you, I think. Well, I mean, that can be entertaining if someone's really into like what you're yeah, sure. Talking about so I, I don't I don't have a problem with podcasts or anything. I listen to podcasts. Oh, that's that's cool. Well, I appreciate you being on on this one uh, again. That's it means a lot to me. And uh, I thought if possible, we could pick a song from Digital Garbage for people to hear. And if so, do you mind selecting one of them? Yeah, why don't you play Twenty uh, First Century Pharisees? Now, why did you why did you choose that song per se? We didn't get into that song as much, other than talking just about, I guess, religion and hypocrisy, which is a a major other. There's just hypocrisy and lying, and all it's all become normalized. It makes me nuts. But anyway, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's. I think it's a cool song. It's got a great intro. It's a kind of a different song musically for us, and uh, it's aggressive. And uh, it's probably the angriest song on yeah. the record. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I, I agree with you. All right, let, this is Mud Honey, brand new song called 21st Century Pharisees. Uh, Mark, thank you so much again for being on the show and oh. making time for me today. I really appreciate it and best of luck with everything. My pleasure, Vish. Thank you. Thanks again to Mark Arm of Mudhoney for appearing on this, the 429th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available on all iOS and Android platforms, and also on things like Spotify, YouTube, and Audio Boom as well. If you can't find an episode that you've been looking for, or you heard about it, and you can't find it on any of those things, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. That's uh, vishkana.com. It's spelled exactly the way it sounds you can also like creative control on facebook follow us on twitter at vish creative or follow me at vishkana you can also listen to a radio show version of creative control on wednesdays at noon eastern standard time around the world at cfru.ca or on an actual radio at 93.3 fm if you're in or near guelph also please consider visiting patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast running i thank all of the people who do this it's a uh, amazing that you think of me and, and consider uh, making these 
uh, flexible uh, donations each month, and I, I really do appreciate it. And it seems to be growing. I, I've been uh, asking people to consider doing this a little bit more lately, and uh, it's it's really really appreciated. So thank you once again. Thank you. I just I, I just want to say thanks again. Patreon.com slash Creative Control. I'd like to thank the in-kind support I received for this show from the likes of Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, and, and Planet of Sound locations in Toronto and Ottawa for uh, their help. I'd like to thank my friend Jim Guthrie for letting me use uh, the instrumental version of his song, The Rest Is Yet To Come, to end the show every week. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, I know I've thanked some of you uh, already, but I'd like to thank all of you now. Thank you for listening to this show regularly and, and telling your friends about it and subscribing to the podcast and, and downloading episodes. Uh, that, that means a lot, and uh, I'm just going to keep making them. There's more to come. I'm going to go now. I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.